name is Neil Middleton and every month we create informative content for you as we talk to important, influential and inspirational people from the world of bats as well as other areas of interest. To find out more about Batability, go to batability.co.uk. Now for the interview, let's do it. Hi there everyone, welcome again to another Talking Bat Yes, and this time I am so pleased, so very, very pleased to be talking back with Dr. Kayleigh Fawcett-Williams. Kayleigh, how are you doing? Good, thank you very much, Neil. Good to talk to you. Likewise, likewise. It seems to be quite some time since we've last spoken. Um, yeah. And a lot has happened, a lot has happened. Uh, how's, how's COVID going in your part of the world? How have oh, you been finding that? Yeah, we, we've we've just uh, gone into our own. We've we've been living in lockdown for some time, to be fair. So it's uh, it's not great, but we we've we've kind of reconciled with it now that this is how it is for a little while, and we're just going to have to hunger down and deal with it until life gets better. And fingers crossed, yeah. <laughs> all will be well. But the main thing is everybody's safe and well. Fingers crossed over here. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the way that I see it as well. But you're in a pretty remote location. I think I've seen pictures of your house. I don't know where it is exactly, but it, it appears to be out in the countryside somewhere and in, in sticks somewhere. No, not not yet. No, that's that's the place we're we're going. <laughs> but, ah, okay. um, no, at the moment we're uh, Banbury in Oxfordshire, so uh, we're still not. Yeah, countryside is just just at the back of us, thankfully. So that's nice. But okay. uh, so. Uh, Put your seatbelt on, okay? I'm going to ask you lots of questions. <laughs> uh, so, uh, really, really excited to be talking to you today. So, thanks again for... Likewise. Uh, good to do this. Um, so, I was checking your Twitter feed uh, last night, and I just thought to myself, I wonder how Keely describes herself on Twitter. And this is, this is almost everything that you see on Twitter. But there's a couple of extra bits that I might uh, talk about in a minute. But you describe yourself as wildlife tech founder, trainer, ecologist, and thermographer. So uh, we're going to touch on quite a few of those things today. But the first thing I want to talk about is horses. You also describe yourself as horse rider or horse owner or something like that. You want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Lifelong horse addict, I think. Um, so I yeah. I grew up around horses. So that's always been, uh, it's always been a thing for me. My, my, my grandparents had horses at home. My parents both rode. So it's always been something that, yeah, has been, uh, has been a thing for me always. So yeah. Uh, yeah, ever since I can remember, I've always ridden. I don't have my own horse, um, but everywhere I go, I always seek out somewhere to go riding. Um, luckily, um, this one is actually from one of my uh, one of my lockdown rides. Um, I've been uh, sharing a horse over lockdown because our local uh, our local riding stables can't do lessons or anything right now, but all their horses were already in work so middle of winter you know they didn't have anything to do with them so they've offered them a share so I took that straight away and said right I need to do that so I've been thankfully keeping sane through lockdowns going riding which has been really nice but I've always yeah it's always been a passion for me so yeah one day think, I'll have my own <laughs> yeah and I think I'm right in saying that when you I think you went to Cambridge uni yeah um, I did yeah, yeah. And at Cambridge, when you did your uh, final year thesis, I think it's called, uh, you actually did that on horses. Is that right? You did it on Yeah, a... that's right. Horses is really where it, where it sort of started, really. It's always been animals and wildlife for me. Um, but horses got me, yeah, got me going really in studying animals, I think. So I, I started off studying um sort of behaviours of, of horses when I was doing my degree. So I did a little bit of work with uh, conic ponies in the fens just outside Cambridge, which was awesome. And then I also managed to get myself out to Mongolia to go and study the Przewalski's horses, which I can't pronounce properly, um, no matter how much I try and how many people I ask. 
but I went out to Mongolia for one of my summers when I was at university to study them as well which was just an amazing experience so yeah very very lucky to have done that um yeah and 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 behavior was really something I was very interested in terms of them um until I did discover bats eventually (laughs) so so I'm assuming I'm I'm asking this question without knowing the answer uh but the I'm imagining you got quite a good mark for your thesis then, yeah, uh, when you did it. Did I okay? What did I, I, I can't remember what the actual, I got a two one for my degree, but I can't remember where I got mine for my thesis. I think I did better in my, always better in my coursework than in my exams. I was getting nervous in exams. So uh, I think, I think it was my thesis that probably, <laughs> probably did the best out of everything. So, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah. Good, good, good stuff. Now, you also describe yourself as a, a national trust addict. I am. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm such an old lady. I, I, I love going and nosing around old houses. So I discovered this not too long ago, I guess. Um, but um, yeah, love, love going and looking around old houses. I, I'm nosy, I suppose. I find it really interesting. Also, I'm, I tend to be doing little bat surveys when I'm doing that while I'm there as well. It doesn't matter where we go. I'm always looking to see if I can find them so, <laughs> wherever we go. But yeah, I joined, joined the National Trust. I should think it's probably about four or five years ago now. Um, and yeah, just it, it's it's my sad old lady thing, but I love it. It's, it's great. Uh, I totally get that. And, <laughs> and you know, I totally relate to you do bat service when you're there. And uh, I can relate to that because I'm, I'm, I'm the same. And I think most bat workers are, no matter where you go, uh, once you become a bat worker, is you know, every time you pass a window, you're always looking for droppings. Or you pass a dustbin, you're always looking for droppings in the lid of a dustbin or the bonnet of a car. And you go into something like a, a castle or a stately home or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I can totally relate to that. Totally it's, relate. it's, yeah, it can't be avoided now. That's it. Once that's switched on in your brain, I think that's it, isn't it? You can't go back. It's something I, we've been looking at houses at the moment as well. Just we've just been going through right move for lots of things, and and all the things I'm I keep seeing. My husband's like, look at this one. I'm like, oh, that'll need bat surveys. Who are we going to get to do the surveys? <laughs> It's like, well, you can do it. I'm like, no, I can't do it. That's not how it works. Yeah, I think that's what they call it. They call that, uh, there's an expression for that. Oh, uh, um, conflict of interest. That's so the one, conflict like, of we interest. We can't do yeah. that. He's like, oh. I'll, I'll, oh do the bat. I'll do the bad service for you. No, there we I, go, then. No, I won't. I don't, I don't, I don't do consultancy bat service anymore. Uh, those days are behind me. <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds yeah. like a good plan. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, talking about bats, um, you got a, well, you did your PhD in bat echolocation, yeah, and I've pulled up a couple of uh, papers here that I managed to find on, I think it was ResearchGate from memory, or at least that's where uh, I got the initial information from. You got into bats, so how did you get into bats and how did you end up moving from horses to doing a PhD in bat echolocation. Tell us about that. It, it was quite the switch, yeah. So I I went back home to stay with my parents when I finished university, because I'd, I'd some people were sort of applying for jobs before they finished their exams and things like that. And I, I knew because I got nervous in exams, I needed to just focus on my exams and then take some time afterwards to apply for things. So. I went home and I had a few months um, at home at my parents just looking for things, trying to figure out what I would do. And I, I did quite a bit of volunteering with our local wildlife groups, so our wildlife trusts and our back group and things like that. But um, and, and also with with actually with a consultancy, I, I went to luckily tag along and go and go and learn some bits and pieces with them, a local consultancy in Lincolnshire, which was lovely. Um, but the thing that got me hooked on bats was I went on a bat walk um, with Lincolnshire Bat Group um, and that just hooked me. So I think it was Dave Hughes that, that led that one and I was handed a, a bat box duet which lots of you will be familiar with, um, this, this little black box and uh, headed out into the woods with this group of people I didn't know and um, went looking for bats. And and once I'd heard that noise over the speaker, I was just like, this is so cool. So 
after that, I just went researching all the ways you could possibly find to work with bats and, you know, whether this was even a job and whether, you know, if you could do that. And once I realised it was, in fact, a job, that was it. I was just like, this is so cool. I've got to do this, um, which I'm sure you'll be familiar with, <laughs> with lots of people who get get hooked. But um, but yeah, so I, I got into consultancy eventually after doing various bits and pieces on the way into doing that and yeah it very much went down the back line because it it was just so fascinating um so yeah that's that's how it started so did you were you already working as a consultant uh, on the consultancy sector before you then went on to do your phd or did you do yeah I did, I did a few years in consulting um and i i knew that i wanted to learn more like i i got to a point where i'd done all of the courses i could do I'd, I'd read everything I could get my hands on and I'd picked everybody's brains that I could pick. Um, and I knew that I needed, I needed to learn more. So that was the thing with the PhD really, it was like I wanted to take it to the next level really and, and, and do that. So yeah, but I think having done a few years in consultancy before was a really good thing for me because I don't think I would have appreciated it quite as much if I'd just gone straight into doing the PhD, so yeah. If you're enjoying listening to our podcasts, perhaps you would also be interested in joining Batability Club. To find out more about Club, which includes hundreds of hours of accessible training resources available to you in your own time and at your case, go to batability.co.uk. Thank you. And I suppose it also gives you a sense of work ethic and a sense because doing a, I've never done a PhD obviously but um, it's hard work it takes a lot of organizational skills and a lot of discipline and a lot of attention to detail and a lot of the transferable skills you would maybe pick up within a, a, a normal workplace environment I suppose did, did you find that useful? I definitely did and I, I think that really helped I did still find it really hard it was a lot of hard work and very stressful um, but it, I think it did help to have had that the hands-on experience was a big thing particularly with the bats because there were people who were going into PhDs who hadn't had you know had lots of hands-on experience with their species and I think that was one of the big things that put me at an advantage was actually having had the hands-on experience beforehand um more than anything I think yeah yeah. so that was that was a big thing it meant that I could go out and do field work really quickly whereas a lot of people they would have quite a lag between actually being able to go out and do their own field work because they'd have to pick up things like that first so it was quite good in a way because my PhD was supposed to start in the September and then my PhD supervisors got in touch with me and said, actually, no, we, we want to we want to start you in the May instead. And I was not planning for that. I, I planned to actually take some time out and go traveling. That didn't happen. Um, but um, it was good that I had the hands on experience because I was thrown straight into my first data collection pretty much straight away. So it meant that I could get out there and, and get the data straight away which was yeah that that definitely gave me a bit of a head start there but and still whew, heck of a learning curve <laughs> with everything else yeah and I think I'm right in saying uh, you were in Denmark doing your PhD the university you were yeah. attached to was in Denmark so was that Copenhagen or was it somewhere else I mean where about uh, Denmark right? That was um, the University of Southern Denmark, which um, I was based in Odense, which is in Foon, which is the, the island right in the middle. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, quite the experience. Yeah, I, <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I love Denmark. I've been to Denmark. I've been fortunate. I've been to Denmark a couple of times. Uh, three times, actually, I've been to Denmark. Uh, twice on that related stuff. And, yeah, I just I really like really enjoy Denmark. Uh, really nice place. Uh, I, I love the fact that uh, it's pretty big on the cycling and all the rest of it. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think it was uh, two thousand and nineteen. I did a. I, I helped uh, someone with some consultancy work they were doing in Copenhagen, 
and, oh, nice. we, and we cycled everywhere and it was yeah it was it was brilliant a totally different feel to kind of doing it if you tried to do that in the central belt of scotland at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah it, it wouldn't work it wouldn't work <laughs> so but as well as being in denmark uh, you also uh, were down in south africa as part of your phd with this uh, rhinopolis uh, cap camensis i think Keep keep horseshoe bat, I think, or southern keep horseshoe yeah. bat. Yeah, yeah, Rhin Rhinolophus capensis. Yeah, that's the one. Very that's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very lucky to have worked with them, and uh, yeah, some incredible habitat out there as well, um, where where they were. Um, a, a bat to have some very thick gloves with, that's for sure as well. <laughs> are, they, are they quite big? Are they? I mean, I'm, uh, how, how how big would they be compared they're to a greater horseshoe? They're actually not dissimilar to our greater horseshoe, but their teeth are something to reckon with. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it was yeah, it was amazing to work with them, um, but also to go and see some of those roosts because really you know there's no way I would ever have been to some of those places had I not been doing doing the research work so we went um on a pretty crazy expedition to go and get some of those bats from a cave where we had to go on these weird inflatable boats across this sort of it was like an ephemeral ephemeral lagoon to get to the cave now you could walk to it at certain times of the year but other times you couldn't okay. so we had to get these boats to it and it was a bit of a mission to get there but once we got in there we, we went into this cave and it was just it was just alive the whole cave the floor was alive with insects the floor was just moving and above us was it was just like black velvet all above all above us it was amazing and these clusters of bats would just fly off and, and and regroup and it was just amazing to see I'd, I'd never seen anything like that and I, I hadn't even imagined that something like that existed even because it's so different to what we're used to in, in the UK and even in Denmark yeah. it's just enormous roots and yeah that that was incredible and I'm not a confident caver so it was also a brave thing as well getting through <laughs> um but yeah it was it was just an amazing experience um but yeah it was tough going the, in, in terms of actually getting there pretty tough going but well worth it to see something like that um yeah incredible okay. and then from I suppose from one end of the spectrum to the other uh Another part of your studies involved the Benton's bat, which uh, obviously a lot of people in this part of the world will be very familiar with. Um, but, but when you were studying these particular bats from, for the purposes that the, you were doing your work, I think I'm right in saying you had these bats in captive type scenarios, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so we, we kept them in lab usually for a week or two um to fly them in flight rooms so that we we always had them in a known space and so they all sort of were under the same conditions so we were lucky that we had a couple of places where we could go and miss net very close to the university so we had a couple of um river locations we could go and miss net very close so we could go catch them and then we, with a, in a relatively short space of time get our recordings so we were recording with multi-microphone arrays so that we could um, reconstruct their flight paths based on their calls um, and, and get some pretty tight measurements on, on those echolocation calls. Um, but it was nice to be able to do that without having long-term captive bats. Um, oh, yeah. We could just bring them in and, and we had some amazing, amazingly experienced people there with, who, who were amazing at keeping the bats in the lab as well. But everything there was on short-term permits as well which was actually for me I really liked because it was nice that they were world court we brought them in we got what we needed and and they went back out again um so that's how we did how we did all of that with South Africa we we literally had them overnight <laughs> um, usually so that was that was yeah it was a really quick turnaround but with these guys um because we were taking quite a lot more recordings with the with the ones in Denmark we uh we had them for a little bit longer but yeah it was uh interesting times <laughs> yeah, no amazing amazing stuff amazing stuff Kayleigh and you then I imagine you got to the end of the PhD process and 
you're back in the job market again, I imagine. Um, did, did you consider staying in academia or was it always the goal to get, get back into, I'm going to call it the real world in the nicest possible <laughs> way. <laughs> so I'd still love to go back into research, um, but I like the practical application. Like I like actually using it for real world things um so it, it was really the goal to go back into consulting and apply some of this stuff now what happened was actually it was totally different to how I thought it would be so I thought people would value my um amazing um experience with uh, echolocation um you know I'm one of the few people with a PhD in bioacoustics yeah no that was not <laughs> not what happened so uh -huh. It, you know it all changed it was it was really to do with what I'd actually picked up as a side project which which was my thermal imaging work um and that's been brilliant because it has been something that I can apply to real world situations which yeah I, I really love doing so but yeah totally not what I expected not what I thought would happen I thought well you know I'm going to build these amazing skills in my sound analysis and and learning more about echolocation and, and bioacoustics and I haven't really used it all that much since to be honest it's still it's still definitely a passion but it's not something that I uh I, is my main thing anymore so well it is a massive part of consultancy work but uh, but but oh we could do a whole webinar just on oh. echolocation <laughs> analysis in the consultancy yeah. sector and how yeah. it's quite often left to the least experienced people to bridge through the stuff and use of automated classifiers and all of the challenges and issues that that potentially creates. But that's that's a session for another day. Oh, but, we could uh, talk for days yeah, on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but so did you, I mean, obviously now you're self-employed, you've got your own business, etc. So was it straight from PhD to uh, becoming self-employed or was there stepping stone positions and organizations before you got to where you, where you are today? It, no so I went back into a very a, a very large consultancy I started off um, I worked for one really large consultancy and then went to another really large consultancy working on similar projects with similar teams um, and I had no idea I would ever go into doing my own business really never thought I would do that um, but I got more and more passionate about the training side of things and the thermal imaging side of things so I was finding that I was really enjoying certain aspects that I was really only able to do very small amounts of in mainstream consulting um, and that's part of the reason why I went off on my own was because I realized sort of that was really what I was enjoying doing and then what I was best at doing. So I, what happened was I, I was sent out to New Zealand, which was incredible with the company I was working with because they were a big global company and they had people out in New Zealand who wanted to use thermal imaging um, that needed, needed the training. So I actually went out there to train a team out there in New Zealand and I just loved it. Uh, I loved New Zealand, but I also really loved actually training a team up to do this kind of work. And it got me thinking of kind of like, mm, actually, is this what I should be doing <laughs> rather than going out and doing and the consulting ge generally. Um, and and eventually I braved it and went out on my own. So, um, yeah, it was a, a big leap of faith. And, and I never saw myself as um braving the the world of of business um but actually i love it um and yeah i love being able to go and do the training and, and just meet now e-meeting but you know working with lots of different people doing all sorts of cool things with with thermal for wildlife now so yeah it's been quite a journey but um but i'm glad that i went back into consulting again because i did really enjoy that and it was definitely part of part of my learning curve to where I am and who knows where I'll go eventually yeah, so. yeah. but I suppose yeah it's, it's it's that stepping stone isn't it without having done yeah. that consultancy position perhaps and without them having sent you to New Zealand um 
you quite possibly wouldn't be doing what you're doing today. <laughs> I might uh, never have found out that that's what I like doing. No, exactly. Yeah, and and uh, then this is the thing. If you don't try these things, you, you don't find out. So. Yeah. And you've got young family as well. You've got a, you've got a toddler daughter, I think. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Clara's two and a half. So, yeah, wow. she keeps me busy as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So you're sitting yeah. there, you're, you're trying to chuckle family life, business life, oh. uh, demanding uh, delegates on courses. And uh, yeah, it's it's not all fun, ladies and gentlemen, in the training world, you know. I think, uh, I think some people look at trainers and think you've got a pretty easy job. All you've got to do is stand there and talk for a few hours. But it's not really like that at all, Kayleigh, is it? <laughs> Not, not really, no. There's quite a juggle going on in the background behind all that you see. So, yeah, there's there's an awful lot going on that, to make it work. And I'm lucky now I have got a team to help with things. So that's that's definitely ease things. But again, that's been a learning curve as well to do that. So, uh, yeah, but it's it's quite the juggle. And I don't think people realise all the all the moving parts behind um, getting things up and particularly now getting things up and online because um, I, I love I love teaching generally and and that part for me is easy it does feel it does feel easy and it's enjoyable when I'm teaching teaching um, but it is all the prep work and all the other things that have to happen to to get to that point so yeah it's and and with with putting things online it's been challenging um, over, over this year as you you know Neil it's you know been quite the year <laughs> but yeah. but I think I I made the switch to going online before all the covid stuff happened and uh, it, that was something quite daunting to do initially as you know you know and um it's but it's been it's been well worth doing because i've now been able to you know help so many different people that i would never have been able to well i would never have been able to travel to <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's really good really good yeah, I mean the, the world has the world has certainly changed, and uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Kelly was one of the very first people that I was aware of that uh, started doing online training within the ecological sector. I'm quite sure there will be a few others uh, back in the early days as well, but certainly from uh, a bat perspective, uh, Kelly was one of the first people doing this sort of stuff uh, with regards to the thermal imaging side of stuff in particular. And uh, you know, so I think I was joking with you, Keely, uh, before we started this. You were you were almost the first penguin off the iceberg, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, and now now there's lots of penguins uh, floating oh, about okay, having icebergs. <laughs> it's normal <laughs> but, now. It's normal now. Yeah. No. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a scary leap to make. It was, and it, it was a, such a strange thing to do. But, uh, but no, definitely glad that I've glad that yeah. I've done that. And one really amazing thing that you were asked to produce, I'm assuming you were asked, or it was obvious you would be the person that would do it, uh, was the thermal imaging bat survey guidelines, uh, which is available as a download, I think, from the Bat Conservation Trust's website. I'll maybe stick it as a download underneath this will be a video on the club site as well. Uh, just so people can find it more easily but that must have been uh, quite it's, it's one thing knowing a lot about a subject and having lots of practical experience and knowing how the tech works and how it gets used but turning all of that into words that you then know are going to be <laughs> analyzed and dissected and potentially ripped apart and put back together again by anyone that's got an interest in the subject that's tough. So you producing these guidelines, that wasn't something you did in a couple of days, I would imagine. No, it, it took quite a, quite, quite a while. And um, yeah, with a very small person, it was interesting. <laughs> so yeah, this was, this was my, I suppose, my maternity leave project, because um, I actually had time <laughs> to, do, to do this. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, a I suppose in the bulk of it was done in about a year, I think. Um, it, but it was, there were lots of conversations in the run up to that. Um, it had been an idea for quite some time, but there just hadn't been time to do it. But there was sort of had become more and more of a need for it as more and more people were starting to use 
the technology and when I first started there was sort of a handful of people really using it and and now the technology is becoming more 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 accessible for people now there's more different devices out there um, and they are getting a lot cheaper um, they're still not cheap but they are getting a lot cheaper um, I really sort of saw a, a need for this and, and there'd been lots of conversations with lots of different people including BCT about you know something like this um, and eventually we came to the you know came to the conclusion that it was time to get it out there so yeah I spent I spent a good chunk of my uh, my maternity year which yeah I didn't really become leave <laughs> but um working working on this when I was uh, awake and able to do so so yeah and and, and you know it was actually an amazing process to work with BCT on this for me um daunting absolutely <laughs> for, I think with any writing it, it's very daunting to put something together out of your own head and then give it over to somebody to, to look at um but actually it was a really amazing process um to to, to do that and and it's been great working with bct um on that so yeah um and and it will evolve we we've decided to keep it as something that doesn't go into the main guidelines because the technology is changing all the time yes, so we'll yeah. have to try and keep it as something that stays relatively current but yeah I've definitely been under fire for it that's for sure I've had lots of lots of people you know telling me that it's wrong and all sorts of things you know but you know I can't please everybody so and I think this is the thing and and, and I think sometimes um I'm okay people like yourself and myself we probably shouldn't try and make other people feel sorry for us or whatever but <laughs> but you know someone takes I can't remember how many pages that uh, guidelines are maybe about 30 pages something like yeah, that yeah probably yeah. probably takes somebody maybe half an hour to read it maybe you know maybe 45 minutes to read it if they're uh, taking the time perhaps but I don't know what I find when I'm writing stuff you know you can go away in a dark room for, for half a day for two three four hours and, and you come out you come out two, three, four hours later, and you've you've done like a paragraph. <laughs> it's, yeah, and, and and you've sat there and you've looked at you know a word in a sentence or a sentence in a paragraph, and you've repositioned it, and you've and you're thinking, how's this going to be interpreted, and how do I make this bulletproof so that it covers everybody's uh, opinions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's not easy to do. It's not easy yeah. to do. Um, it's really not. It's yeah. really not. No, no. And and now I'm working on a book as well. So that's the the next <laughs> the next thing as well. So which is really not easy to do. It turns out, um, as you all know, Neil. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wasn't I wasn't going to mention the book because I wasn't sure. Just hold on a second. I'm just going to yeah, reposition no. my laptop ever so slightly because all of a sudden. The sun has decided to start shining. <laughs> what is that big orange thing in the sky? <laughs> so uh, I'm just turning away. So the sun's that Right, talking about this, this dragonfly up there, ladies and gentlemen. Somewhere. I love it. Yeah, there we go. it's really nice. Uh, so are you able to tell us a little bit more about the book you're working on? Is it, is it on thermal imaging? Is it on something else? Uh, it is. It, this one's thermal imaging for wildlife, so it will be more general. So obviously the guidelines have been the bat side of things, but this is yeah. going to be, um, you know, much, much more general for wildlife applications. So uh, yeah. I can't tell you an awful lot more about it, but uh, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's coming together, but it's not been easy this year with COVID and lack of childcare and things. So uh, I'm not going to promise a date yet. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I think I think that's really exciting that you're doing that. And and I think um, well, if you ever, if you ever if you ever want to talk to me about you know my experiences writing those books um feel free to lift the phone or we can do definitely it will. Right, but, definitely will but, yeah but, <laughs> but as as somebody you know from my perspective i was pretty darn experienced in writing fairly thorough uh, ecology reports in the consultancy sector maybe documents would maybe be 30 to 60 70 pages long um 
but I was totally shocked the first time I had to do a book at how much harder that actually was because yeah. you're talking two, three, four hundred pages and yeah, it's a lot it's a lot of commitment, a it lot is. of blood, sweat and tears um, that goes into that. And and again, it's so easy for somebody to then pick it up afterwards and say, why did you use that picture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, when, when I was, um, I'd actually already signed um, my contract about the book and we were just going through things. I had a bit of a planning session and I was talking to my husband about it. And he, and, he, and I was like, oh my goodness, like I, I, I was thinking about the word limit and and he was like do you know what that looks like and I was like no I don't but I know it's more than my PhD <laughs> that's for sure okay. um and and so we went and had a look through all my wildlife books and found like a couple of books that were the bookends of the the word limits and and I, I was just like oh okay yeah this is a lot <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize you've got quite the task on your hands but yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I look forward to that. Whenever, yes, I'll whenever keep it's you coming. Yeah, no, no, that's absolutely, uh, that's really, really exciting. Uh, and I'm really glad you spoke about it because I wasn't sure if that was something uh, that you would want to speak about. Because I wasn't oh, it's sure not top it. secret, but it's, just so you yeah. know, I'm behind on it. Yeah. <laughs> and now we take us to, I suppose today, Kayleigh, uh, what you're doing now is very much under the 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 branding of wildlife tech helping to gain the knowledge and skills people need to better understand and protect wildlife um so this this is an effect is your business yeah this is yeah. the brand under which you do the thermal emission training for example yeah do you want to tell us a little bit more about wildlife tech and what that company does and what you do etc absolutely yeah and, and you know it's really evolved a lot since I started my business which was really about the thermal imaging and and the training in terms of that um but as I sort of developed the business and 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 learned more about teaching online and all of that kind of thing I realized there were more people that I could help and there were things that I knew that were in my brain um, that weren't actually that easy to access for people so one of the things that I did was actually doing some more training on, on technology for wildlife generally so we started off doing lots of bit like that so we do our summer school which is just my favorite course to teach because it's so much fun <laughs> um so that's more for people who are wildlife students or early on in their wildlife careers and they um come to learn about all the different types of technology that we can use for wildlife applications and and sort of how to choose what to use and things like that um which has been brilliant that's been really really nice to do but obviously we still do the thermal side of things so we've got our introductory course and our, um, our big intensive course, which I've now taken online as well, um, which is really exciting. So we, we did that as, a, as an in-person course previously. Um, it was canceled twice last year and I'd been talking about putting it online for quite a long time, but I'd never really sort of got the time to actually put it together because I knew it would be a big thing to make happen online. Um, but in the end, I took the time when the second one was cancelled to go out with a videographer and get it all filmed and put together, which has been a, a big process as well <laughs> for, yeah. for, for our videographer, but also for me getting all yeah. of that material in a format that people can access online. Because um, obviously, you know, it's so different to being in a room with people and being out in the field with people. Um, so, yeah, so we've put that online and that's both both our introductory and, and this big course are now going to be available through the Bat Conservation Trust, which we've now partnered with on this course, which I'm super excited about. Okay. Um, so only uh, available through the Bat Conservation Trust or...? Um, you oh. can come through me and it will link okay. you through to their booking page. So we've we've set it up. So you, if you go over to wildlifetech.com, you'll be able to get it through through there as well. So everything will be will be on our website and, and their website now. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that, that new partnership. So I'm really very excited about that. So half half the proceeds are now going to go to to them and the amazing work they do, which is something I've really 
always always been supporting but now I've found a sort of bigger way to to do that so yeah it's um it's an exciting course as well like I I've really I like I like now how we've put this together as more of a it's a 12-month program so people can get more ongoing help whereas previously they come on a a really intensive in-person week-long course and then go away and have to you know (laughs) off the cliff edge kind of thing of like right now we've got to go and do this whereas this is quite nice because we can provide that more ongoing support and help people to figure things out along the way which is is really nice so 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 can anyone join that course at any time or do you have specific intakes at certain points of the year we've got another intake in the spring um so we've just started started our, our january intake has just started um but there'll be another one in the spring so if you keep if you keep your eyes posted on on, on the website you'll see when the next when the next date is but uh but yeah there'll be there'll be sort of group intakes um so we sort of take people along the journey together sort of thing so yeah that's that sounds that's really really interesting and it's and it's it's a nice refreshing way to do it um and you know and and it's really nice when you're able to give something back to conservation which is what you're trying to do here as well yeah. obviously yeah. um so no it's it sounds amazing and and i think i think it would be fair to say i don't think you would say this about yourself keely but i'm going to say it on your behalf when it comes to thermal imaging um you know, in the in this part of the world, anyway, um, you know, you're, you're pretty much the go-to person, I would say, uh, in the commercial world. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, 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 I'm not conscious. I mean, I'm conscious of other people that you know are very good at thermal imaging, but I don't think they're they're not selling training. They're not they're not people that are necessarily as approachable uh, or as easy to find. Um, and you know you're certainly that person you are you are the go-to person in in my book anytime anybody asks me about (laughs) thermal imaging i I just say look you know you're talking to a guy that's used a thermal imaging camera a handful (laughs) of times Uh, i am not the person to give you advice about this (laughs) And, and it's not like infrared i mean i think infrared people can you know if you've got the right equipment and the right support lights um you know, infrared isn't something that that's that's that difficult to get your head around. But the application of thermal imaging technology and knowing how to use the equipment and in the different scenarios you're going to use it and what settings to use and all this kind of stuff, it's not something you can really learn yourself that easily. Do you agree? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I certainly tried myself to learn how to use it and realised I really didn't understand what I was doing, which is why I went down the thermography route and, and did that training, because that was all that was available at the time. Um, but there's so many, there's, I think the thing with it is there's so many ways you can go wrong um, without realising it. So there's lots of, you know, it's it's really making sure that things are set up right when you collect your data so that you get what you need. And and unfortunately, it's one of those technologies where if you don't know, you don't know if that makes sense yeah, with, yeah. with the settings. And and you could easily, particularly with bat work, you know, you could really easily miss bats. And that's something obviously that is close to my heart. So I'm always like, oh no, like make sure that's set up right. Um so yeah it, it is but it is something you can learn um and you know with with those right skills you can do some amazing things with it um so you know you don't have to be a, a tech whiz if you, you know if you go through and and learn the right things you can absolutely use it so it's also not something to be afraid of either because i think some people do think oh i could never do that but you know through you know we, we've had people come on our training courses who are really not tech savvy um who've who've got to grips with it so it also on another sort of level also you know you, you don't have to be a super duper whiz <laughs> once you once you know how it works it's, yeah. Um, yeah and i remember saying to i mean i've been going on about thermal imaging for goodness I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you how long i've been going on about thermal imaging right i saw a a, a documentary on the discovery channel about 15 years ago, 
Okay, and it was a lot of academics somewhere in the States and they had military grade thermal imaging camera on <laughs> a side of a piece of woodland. And from the TV screen, I would have thought this piece of woodland was maybe half a kilometre away from where they had the camera set up yeah. and they had the TV screen. So this is long before you had the kind of thing that's pictured here. They had the big yeah. TV screens and the generators running up all. <laughs> and and the, and the camera was on the thermal imaging uh, TV screens. And you had these like tracer missiles going through the TV screen. And these were bats leaving this woodland. Uh, and through this thermal imaging, they were able to work out, not where the bat roost was, but they were able to work out what part of the woodland the bats were coming out of. Brilliant. Just like just like tracing, just like watching a tracer missile on the, you know, yeah. on a war movie or whatever. And I remember just looking at that back then. I'm saying 15 years ago, it might have even been further back than that. And I was just like, I want that, you know. Yeah. And, but but yeah. back then. The technology wasn't even for sale, I don't think, back then. No. This was they'd got hold of military grade stuff for this particular project, I think. But I remember, and the reason I'm saying this, and this is the take-home message, ladies and gentlemen, I think. I remember probably about uh, seven, eight years ago, um, and I was I was aware of a company that was buying some thermal imaging equipment, and it was when it was very, very expensive. Um and they were spending a horrible amount of money on what was a fairly basic thermal imaging system, I suppose, compared to what we have today. And, and they weren't going to put anybody and for any training. And I think at the time, Fleur or whoever it was, they were buying off the training courses. Um, and, and I said to the company, so you're going to spend 20,000 quid on this equipment but you ain't prepared to spend a thousand quid on sending one of your members of staff to somebody to actually show them how to use the equipment because this stuff is complicated. It's it's yeah. not just switch on and off you go. And and they were really, this business, they were really, uh, they were really griping having to pay, I don't even think it was a thousand quid, you know, at the time, they were really great yeah. having to pay hundreds of pounds and they just forked out 20 grand and you kind of think, what are you thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this was before you existed. Okay, well, you existed, but it's before you existed. Oh, I still hear that, those stories now, yeah. to be fair. I still hear yeah. that now. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, we spent this much on equipment, you know, we, we you know, not going to spend that on training kind of thing. But if you don't know how to use it, you're not going to get what you need out of it, so. but it is it is yeah it does still happen for sure but I've, yeah. yeah I've had similar similar things definitely and, and not just in this industry so. yeah yeah no totally totally well anyway uh, so that's really that's really that's really really exciting that that you're doing this uh, any other courses or anything that wildlife tech's doing in the coming or so that you want to talk about well <laughs> we oh so many things going on but really that's the the main thing is is that one really we've we've also been doing lots of um sort of things to help i suppose people a lot earlier on in their careers as well so we've been doing workshops and things for them for wildlife career workshops and things like that which has been really really fun so some more more bits and pieces but yeah if you keep an eye out on the website you'll see your all the random little things that we've we've got coming up but uh but yeah the, the thermal imaging the 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 big course is really a big thing for this year that i'm super excited about so. okay sounds sounds good sounds really sounds really really good and that kind of takes us uh quite nicely i suppose we're beginning to talk about the future a bit now um where do you see yourself in five years time keely oh that one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to be home. <laughs> so uh, I'd really like to move back to nearer our, our, our families as such as we're quite a long way from home where we are. 
um and i'd love to build an eco house and uh and and do that or or at least convert somewhere into a more eco-friendly house um for us so uh so yeah that's that's the big mission for me personally um in the next few years so yeah that's that's uh, and 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 for me really i think professionally i i I'm working on the book and things like that. I'd love to do more research projects as well alongside the bits of consulting and things that I do. So that's also part of the plan. This year, I'm going to be doing some done with you work, which is a new thing for me in terms of consulting. Um, because I usually don't I, I don't quite catch that. Can I say that again? Oh, what sorry, my, uh, my, 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 my phone probably glitched out. Um, I'm going to be doing some done with you packages for my thermal imaging this year with with consultancy. So I'm quite excited about that, too. Um, which is part of the big mission of going home. <laughs> so, uh, so we're I'm going to be doing that, which I'm I'm looking forward to that. And actually, yeah. So, what, what, what exactly is done with you? I'm I'm for people. I'm not so for that, that I'm I'm going to be helping um, some consultancies with doing their thermal imaging work um, who don't gotcha. necessarily have their own equipment or do do gotcha. that side of things now. Gotcha. Um, and and I found that. It, recently I've only been doing really specialist consultancy work because I don't have the time with a small person um to to go and do all the things that I used to do and also focusing a lot on on the book and things like that so I'm going to be doing taking more of a sort of support role in helping people to to do the work and and have me on hand to help with things but not necessarily being out there and doing all the things <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah, totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Now, uh, that, that's a little bit like what uh, I do from time to time in, yeah. in, other, in other respects, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, no, no, that, that's, that's, that's really exciting. And, and you know, at the end of the day, you've, uh, you know, you've, you've got to get income coming in because as much as it's nice to do all of these uh, things that you give away for... Uh, Free. And I'm not talking about you specifically, Kayleigh, I'm talking about people uh, in the ecology sector generally. I mean, we, we, all, we all do stuff, you know, for free and presentations here and there and all this kind of stuff. But but uh, that's only possible because somewhere in the background, um, you know, you're earning an income somewhere, unless somebody's extremely fortunate and they've got a million quid in a bank account or whatever, <laughs> which I'm assuming you don't have, Keely. I you wish do, I had, but me. sadly no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's, I can totally relate to, I can totally relate to a lot of what you've been saying. Um, wow, wow. Um, I think we're almost at the end then, is there anything you want to talk about that I haven't covered or anything you want to say as we're coming close to so. ending? I'm trying to think but no I don't think so that was great it was really good to catch up with you because it's been yeah it's been ages so yeah. thank you Neil <laughs> no it's, it's quite all right no thank you thank you for uh, giving us your time and I just think it's really nice for people to actually hear the voice and understand yeah. a little bit more about the person behind whatever they're talking about and all this kind of stuff and and yeah we've definitely achieved that today um, <laughs> yourself and so thank you thank you for doing that we hope you enjoyed this talking bat interview which is an edited audio only version of the original video session the full version, including video, is available via Betability Club, our online training platform. To find out more about Club, go to betability.co.uk. Till next time, thank you. Mm-hmm.